0: Hello and welcome to The Fizzle Show! The Fizzle Show is coming for you! You're gonna get it where you don't want to! It's time for the entrepreneurials to feel... I don't know, I could sing forever. I used to play a lot of metal bands, uh, and it was fun! What's up, everybody? This is The Fizzle Show. Why? Because your business is prone to fizzle out. That's just statistics. That's just maths. Okay? Businesses, creative ideas, we are... In some ways, listen. I don't want. I don't want to. Maybe I don't want to propagate this too much. But in some ways, it sometimes it feels like. If you notice how sometimes it feels like you're pushing a big rock up a hill, right? You're pushing it up this hill, and you're getting some progress, and you just want to get it to the top so it'll roll down the other side, right? Seth Godin talks about the dip, like. There's this thing, this, this initial excitement in a new project, in an a venture, and then there's a dip where you kind of go down into a rut after a certain amount of time. The whole question is, can you push yourself up out of that dip because afterwards, things tend to, to take on a little bit of a higher elevation, you get into a different a different sort of uh, way of, of, of happening where it doesn't feel quite so uh, pushing this Sisyphusian rock up a hill. Sometimes entrepreneurship's like pushing that rock up the hill. Sometimes entrepreneurship's like letting the rock just glide itself down the other side of the hill. And I think a lot of us are asking, how do we make it more of the latter? Please, thank you. <laughs> Please. Can it be easier to make money? Is that possible? Can I, can I worry less? Can I have less stress and anxiety? Can I be better set up for success? Uh, in In my project, so that it 's more likely to succeed, can I be clear on what I need to do to get that so that i don 't constantly worry about things so i 'm not constantly in a state of you know minor to major anxiety, depending on you know where your adrenal levels are or something like that. You like that corbett adrenal that 's a word from science. Uh.
1: It's a science it's a, word, bro. It's a frequently misused term from science. It's adrenal.
0: Say. It's adrenal is yeah. what it is. I'm glad that I, I got to bring in so much knowledge. And, we're bringing-
1: <laughs> and some retrograde thing that's happening? There's a
0: mer- mercury retrograde. I don't know if that's happening right now, but my adrenal gland <laughs> is literally tickled. It's tickled because I get to talk on the phone with these great people. And we're going to get into a topic that I think is the topic we've kind of always been talking about at the Vizzle Show. And at Fizzle in general, what I think is super challenging is navigating your, uh, your energy levels, which are so intrinsically connected to, for me, my emotions, whether I feel stressed or anxious about this thing, or relaxed and uh, optimistic, curious, whether I feel like it's going to go well, or whether I th- feel like this is probably going to suck, I'm going to fail, And my approach to whatever project, depending on if I'm in one of these mindsets, will be in like, it's like night and day difference. It's like night and day difference. It makes me think of, it makes me think of a quote, hold on, site chasereeves.net, I'm going to look for a Bill Murray quote that I haven't read in a long time. Bill Murray on secrets about living. Are you ready for this? I think the only reason I've had the career life that I've had, this is Bill Murray, the patron saint of America, is that someone told me some secrets early on about living. He says, these are the secrets. You can do the very best you can when you're very, very relaxed. No matter what it is or what your job is, the more relaxed you are, the better you are. That's sort of why I got into acting. I realized that the more fun I had, the better I did. And I thought, that's a job I could be proud of. It's changed my life learning that, and it's made me better at what I do. That's the Bill Murray quote on how the more relaxed you are, the better the work got, and that for him is why he chose acting because he found that he was he would actually be more successful the more fun he had. Right? This is a big deal. This is the kind of thing that I dream about as a creative entrepreneur to be able to have fun and and like like that leads to more success, not less success. Right? So today, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about how to uh, how to navigate your emotions as an entrepreneur, and we have with us a very special guest. First of all, Corbett Barr, say hello, sir. Where are you today, and then what is your general sort of vibiness?
1: <laughs> My vibiness is uh, on the up and up, I'd say. I'm in Lisbon, Portugal, having a blast over here, mm. enjoying the great food. Portugal. You moved to Portugal you know how- from Spain. Yeah, this town is a lot like san francisco it has tons of similarities did you know there is a, a bridge that looks exactly like the golden gate here that was built by the same architect is that trippy? around the same era is that
0: trip do you like walk outside and go like where am i yeah
1: it's on a bay there's hills <laughs> there are trolley cars it's
0: that's cool. wild okay cool then we have aiden Fishbine. aiden say what's up give me a general vibiness of how you're approaching this how you're coming into this conversation is where are you at sort of energetically
2: that's a good question but half calf and Aiden. You're uh, half, ca- half caffeinated half caffeinated and fish <laughs> <laughs> love it
0: love it and then our special guest today joe kearns joe kearns is a resilience expert and personal <laughs> trainer and, and see the thing right why joe's here is <laughs> is because number one he is my entry into the gun show all right the guy's biceps yeah, here we go. are here we go. Sensational. <laughs> Traps, <laughs> lats, all of it on point. And guess what? He doesn't skip leg day too. But more than that, he actually has a ton of experience in the conversation we're about to have today. So Joe, what I would love to do is just turn it over to you uh, and and maybe you can give us a little bit of a backstory on on just what we're talking about today, how this topic came up for you, and some of your experience in in relating to this idea of of controlling, I'm putting quotes around controlling there, of controlling our emotions. Mm,
3: gotcha. Yeah, I think that this topic is something that we we can kind of dance around quite a lot, and not realize that this is at the root of so many problems that we have. And the most recent time this came up, actually, just to give a little bit of context before we dive into it, was uh, the Just Ship It challenge that we were running, that we had a lot of members going through, and that is a uh, that can be a very emotional experience. You know, there's a lot of fear and uncertainty when it comes to actually putting something into the world. And what one of the members had said was, um, I think this was around the anxiety of of launching. He said, "Man, I just wish I could control my emotions." And I think we've all heard, you know, some some variation of that kind of like, "I wish I could feel different," "I wish I could control my emotions," and that kind of sparked something for me that reminded me of how we would approach that issue when I uh, taught soldiers, for example, on mental resilience, or any athletes, or anyone like that. And what it all comes back to is the fact that. We try to control our emotions first because that's the thing that we notice. You know, that's, that's the very obvious part that, uh, that draws our attention inward. The problem is, is that our emotions come from somewhere. And where they come from is our thoughts. And I don't mean that in like a woo-woo way. I mean, literally, that is the function of, uh, of emotions is they are derived from the thought that preceded it. So like if you're, fear- if you're feeling fearful, it's because you had a thought that led to believe that you were in danger of some kind. Because it's almost uh,
0: like the thought is like, this is going to happen. And mm-hmm. then the emotional response is like, well, this is what it would feel like if that happened. But that thing didn't happen. It's just in our heads.
3: Is Am I hearing you clear on that? That's how, I mean, that is where anxiety comes from because that's, of course, worrying about the future. But that yeah. can still happen even from your interpretation of something that did just happen. Yeah, yeah. And so that's another thing that we'll get into is how it all ties into Uh, your interpretation of the past, present, and future, because thoughts are involved with all of that. Mm. Um, So I really think that we're going to dive into a few topics today that hopefully you you can notice where it's applied to you, how you can use it in the future, and probably how a lot of ancient wisdom that you've heard before, really, this is at the root of it.
0: Yeah. So thoughts sounds like what I'm hearing is the thought is the thing that's starting the process. And a lot of people are coming into entrepreneurship. Like, like you said, this just ship it challenge. It's a 30 day thing where it's like, okay, in 30 days, we're going to ship something. We're going to put mm-hmm. something out. Why? Ah! <laughs> why did we make that such a, a, a like, a, like, why did we put that together that way? Because the hard thing. Uh, for a lot of people in entrepreneurship is just getting something out the door. Why? Because now I can judge you. I can label you. I can call you a failure. You will have results that are either favorable or unfavorable. You're putting yourself out there. It's like walking out into the high school quad area with the first day on the first day of having braces. Or something. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's like, oh no, oh no. So you keep your mouth closed. You don't show any you literally keep your mouth closed, right? That's what happens to our, in entrepreneurship a lot of the times with people who are a little more timid. Then you have the other people who are just, <laughs> don't have that problem at all. This is not for them. But like the the what we noticed, what I've noticed, and I, I would be curious, Corbett, if you if you notice the same thing. It seems like if I can get like after five years almost six years of just of just pushing into fizzlers of really trying to help them understand what's next, of of being curious and, and answering their questions to the best of my ability given the experience that we've had and the research that we've done uh, th- one of the things that I've noticed is if we can just get people to ship if we can just get people to say here's what I am going to do then make a plan then do it and publish it and launch it and just do their little best at it right just do their little best that's it when you do that one time you have a little bit higher likelihood of doing that a second time because you broke through that seal. Potential was, was what my hypothesis is, right? And then the more we can get you doing that, you might just wake up five years from now and go like, oh, how did this happen? I have a business. How did this happen? I have some freedom, some independence. I have, I have the, the autonomy to choose what I'm doing today. You know? Uh, shipping and facing that, and shipping it, it leads can lead to success and because it leads to learning, Right. Uh, but so many people are kept from shipping because they have some emotion around shipping. And so, someone has this concept, has this question like, I wish I could control my emotions. It would help me, like the Bill Murray quote, to do some more work to actually accomplish this thing, get it done, because I'm just kind of spinning around feeling this or being anxious or depressed or like hopeless. Or uh, manic, or you know, whatever. This—that's my life. My life. If I'm manic, man, I could put stuff out in the world, baby. If I'm depressed, it's like, guess what? Like I'm gonna catch up on like every Stanley Kubrick film, like all the ones that I missed. (laughs) Like, it's a different kind of learning. (laughs) It's a different kind. So uh, I, 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 I want people to. I want to ground this conversation for people in. This is about your business, but we're gonna talk about your thoughts and your emotions. But this is about your business. Because when you're coming into, uh, into, um, into experience with the kinds of things your business will ask of you, for example, to publish a blog post, to come up with a plan and a commitment or a goal and I'm going to publish one post a week every Tuesday morning, I, I have something scheduled, that's going to require of you some, uh, some capacity to deal with doubt, fear, uncertainty, Anxiety, excitement, uh, 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 curiosity—like all of this stuff—and so the the sooner we can get you into the create into the into things further up that scale, like less fear, and anxiety, a little more curiosity and openness, a little more up, like maybe even appreciation. These are emotions that when you're doing creative work, I've found in those emotions, it's like that Bill Murray quote: "You just find yourself." it's like I realized I was being more successful when I was having more fun. And that's, for me, as like a little golden retriever kind of guy, that's what I want to see. Pe- I want to see creative businesses. You know, people defining their own success and doing it like that. So that, to me, and, is where I feel like this conversation is grounded in actually the success of our business. It's not some yeah. you know big yeah, and, psychological construct.
1: And what's on the line here is that your emotions can derail all of your plans yeah, right? we we all start with the best of intentions, and yeah. we imagine how great things could be. that honeymoon phase when you first think about starting a business and you imagine how great things can be, the freedom, the money, working on something that you love, and then the doubt, the uncertainty, the fear, the emotions creep in. And one by one, they start putting up barriers for you to overcome. And a lot of us get stuck on those barriers to the point where we give up or we put in the towel. And, this the the just ship it challenge that you brought up sort of came out of my experience which was I took over a year to launch my first ebook because I kept second guessing myself. I had this idea, it seemed great, I had an audience in mind, and then when I started working on it, I would find a million reasons to work on something else mm. to avoid putting this thing out in the world because I started getting really scared that people were going to laugh at me or something or yeah. think that it was you know, not important or useful or whatever. And eventually, finally, uh, I had a mastermind group that that looked at this thing and said, you're being silly. Like, Just put this thing out there. Get it done. And so instead of letting a year or 15 months or whatever go by before people in Fizzle publish something, what we wanted to do was light a fire under them and force them to go through the process of shipping something in... 30 days, even if it's something really small because Mm -hmm. of all the learnings that happened. But along the way, what Joe found in working with these people is that it makes them have to confront a lot of emotions in a very short period of time Mm -hmm. that they otherwise might be dwelling on. Like I did. And, once you've gone through that process of shipping, it's easy to kind of look back and say, oh, well, I didn't need to have all of that anxiety because everything worked out fine. And we all sort of grow as entrepreneurs in that way. Mm. Through experience, we're able to deal with our emotions better, not control them, but we're sort of able to, um, to to turn down the volume a little bit. Yeah. And so what I love about having someone like Joe on today is that he looks at this from a... A grounded, psychological, um, you know, uh, behavioral perspective. And a lot of us as entrepreneurs, I think, just force ourselves to kind of white knuckle it, you know, like go cold turkey almost. Mm -hmm. uh, And just deal with our emotions without understanding that there are frameworks that we can use to help us to make this all easier. And that's what I think Joe is bringing to the table today.
3: Mm. Love it. Well, you know what you just tapped into there, corporate, which I love is that uh, the way that the Just Ship It Challenge, for example, was structured is, you know, I almost kind of look at it like that is a uh, like a business building mental toughness boot camp, and you know, just like boot camp is designed, you're you're putting somebody in a very specific situation to then see how they respond mm-hmm. and then train them to the to respond in the most effective way, and. You know, if, if you go through building a business and the only thing that you get out of it is an income, you probably did something wrong because you should learn so much about yourself and you should be able to develop as a person. So as this, like with everything that we're doing, you kind of want to think about, you know, what situations do I want to be able to respond more effectively in? I'm not going to say positively, just more effectively. And then what process can I go through to practice, to develop self-awareness? And what can I learn so that the next time it comes around or a similar situation comes around, I've actually developed skills and you're not just right. repeating the same cycles over and over again. I know I mean, we see that a lot of times with people that um, they can get into this either downward spiral or just into this almost like, you know, this record repeating over and over again, where they kind of just stick in this holding pattern. And they either, they never really take the action they need to, or they kind of do that like procrastinate learning thing. And you just sort of, um, you know, hover around that ring of your comfort zone, never fully stepping out and kind of throwing yourself into the, the scary river of entrepreneurship and learning how to swim. Right. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk a little bit about a very simple framework that will allow you to be able to kind of break that down. Um, it's, it's very conveniently, labeled the uh, ABC model. And so it's really easy to remember. And we're going to kind of show with specific examples and also some kind of like just, you know, off the cuff examples of how you can apply this and uh, and be able to use it to guide the way that you uh, you change your patterns of thinking, your emotional responses, and of course your behaviors at the end of the day. Mm,
0: love it. Okay, so and it, just to su- just to summarize this, up to now what we've been talking about is basically the sense that entrepreneurs just struggle with develop like it's just really common to 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 have a hard time developing the mindset that's necessary. Right? Like we uh-huh. can it ju- it's just this mindset that we're cultivating. When that mindset grows that resilience, that mental toughness, it learns about itself. I'm hearing you talk a lot Joe about kind of like like I think that's a really big point if If all, if we build a business and all we get out of is an income, we're missing, we're missing some critical stuff here. There's some really important stuff that plays a role in you developing and that the new developed you ends up helping shape where the business goes and makes it more successful, more resilient over time because you yourself are resilient. So what we're getting into here is just this. Listen. If you're struggling with some resiliency or some mental toughness or some uh, grit, some uh, if emotions are, are are very powerful for you, the doubt and the fear has kept you from uh, from ship from putting out a you know the ebook. Just like Corbett said, for twelve months he sat on that thing basically until when until some friends came around who are also entrepreneurs and said. Dude, you're being crazy. Get this thing out there. And that's kind of what sometimes can happen inside of Fizzle and why we do the it sounds like, you know, uh, one of the massive benefits of doing the just ship it challenge in a group like like Fizzle, right? So, I feel like I'm like kind of itching I'm kind of hungry to get into these like let's do these ABCs, but first let's let's hear a message from our sponsor today. We are sponsored today by Gusto Corbett. What is Gusto? Like what does it even do? And why would I need it? As an independent entrepreneur.
1: Well, Chase, if you have a business, which I think you do, or if you know somebody who does, you probably know that small business owners wear a lot of hats. And some of those hats are totally great, but some like filing taxes and running payroll, for example, those are not so great. Mm. And that's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, and HR actually easy for small businesses, Fast, simple payroll processing, benefits, and expert HR support all in one place. Gusto automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes so you don't have to worry about it. Plus, they make it easy to add on health benefits and even 401ks for your team. Those old-school, clunky payroll processors just weren't built for the way modern small businesses work. But Gusto is. Plus, listeners of The Fizzle Show get three months free when they run their first payroll. So try a demo and see for yourself over at gusto.com slash fizzle. That's gusto.com slash fizzle. Mm.
0: I like it. Okay, Joe. So what what do you what do you think we should get into next? Should we dive right into the ABCs? Is there any setup that needs to be done beforehand? Why don't you just drive us for a little bit?
3: Cool. Let's do it. Uh, so the first thing I kind of want to lead off with uh, a quote that I think a lot of people have heard and maybe didn't realize that this is this is literally the essence of what it represents. So I don't know if you've heard the Shakespeare quote, there's nothing good or bad, but thinking makes it so. Mm. You guys heard that before? Mm. Uh, wow that's it like
0: like that's a that's like early that's early to be jumping out of the whole like you know Christendom model like that's that's powerful that's powerful like uh that's a powerful philosophy right that's really mm -hmm. powerful there's nothing good or bad but thinking makes it so i mean this is like like shakespeare is getting close to being put on a spire at that point (laughs) you know what i mean back in back in those days what do you love so much about this quote joe
3: so the well, first off, is the simplicity and the amount of wisdom that's kind of embedded within, you know, nine words or so. And uh, I mean, it, it just harkens back to so much stoic philosophy, so much of even just kind of that like what was it, you know, like like grandma philosophy or something where it's just like that ancient wisdom that just mm. uh, you can't help but learn it the older that you get, I feel like, yeah, but being able to have a model that we can follow to be able to learn that earlier in life, you can avoid probably a lot of extra. Uh, pain and suffering and frustration by being able to just have a simple system to follow. So that's where the ABCs come in. And no, it's not always be closing or anything like that. It's going to be <laughs> a more productive approach. I know. I'm sorry to disappoint. <laughs> so the the backbone of this, essentially, like like you know, the Shakespeare quote kind of represents, is that events are inherently neutral. There there isn't a good or bad event. It's really just our interpretation of it that leads to us feeling a particular way or behaving a particular way. And I mean, the, the simple proof of that is we can all see that one event can lead to a lot of different reactions by people that experience the exact same thing or even different reactions from yourself from a single event. Um, I mean, that, that entirely comes back to the, the premise that what happens to us doesn't cause us to feel a particular way. We just have an immediate thought about it. So this is where the ABC model comes in. So the A of the ABC model, which by the way, this, I don't know if I mentioned, this is kind of the backbone of cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT. And I think that's coming more mainstream. So people probably heard of that before. Um, So the A of this model is for activating event. And this is literally just the thing that happens. So there's not any interpretation about this. If you had a, a video camera on you, then this is the thing you would see. So, right, This like, is like
0: how documentaries sometimes feel like it's re- or, or a journalist has to have this almost or, when, when good journalists try hard mm-hmm. to have this kind of neutral stance. They're like, well, this happened. But, you know, he didn't talk about this thing over here, which was happening on the other side of the world. And here's another story, which is, like, is kind of like the opposite experience of this thing we're researching. And so showing that both of those exist is like the video camera going like just very neutral like here's 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 this, and then here's that, and not and f- like I noticed that a lot of films uh like by do- a lot of documentaries and things like that are 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 more well good ones, <laughs> plenty of them are made with a very strong point of view, but like v- like a lot of the times it's nice to watch things that like they just kind of leave you hanging and you have to make the interpretation of and it's like this really interesting experience where you're like, gosh that's complicated and I don't feel qualified to say whether this, whether this thing is this talking about is a good thing or a bad thing,
3: you know? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's kind of an interesting way to tie that into journalism because you think about like, I mean, a lot of the origins of, of proper journalism was just reporting the events and that it kind of, it lays the responsibility of interpretation onto the reader. Um, but this is, this is the next part here is after the event itself happens, we have a belief about it. So that's the B of the ABC model. And it's a belief or a thought, and that's really just what you think about it. Of course, this is, you know, I mean, your your thoughts around anything are, are filtered and uh, skewed by all of your experiential history and, you know, your patterns of thought and all that. But that's really what leads to the the next part, which is the consequence. So the consequence is, the emotional state that you feel it's the behavior that you take afterwards this is this is actually the part that we pay the most attention to because if you imagine uh, how you feel about something we almost always jump from a to c we think oh this thing happened and so i feel this way you know like i got into a car accident so of course i'm pissed off or my business failed or this this uh, sales pitch that i had went poorly so of course i'm disappointed But there's always something in between the event and the uh, the activating event and the consequence, and that's our thought or belief. So when we're diving into, I guess what what we typically um, the mistake that we typically make is forgetting that middle ground, which is the belief, because that's really the only area we have control. Right? Like we can never really control the things that happen around us, the activating events. That's they're neutral, they're inevitable, and they're going to happen a million times a day. And then the consequence of the belief, that, or sorry, the consequence that we have from that, the emotional state. If we don't take control over our thoughts, we're always going to be kind of a passive victim, and yeah. that's where them. you end up. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. I mean, you will you'll rationalize it afterwards rather than take control of it before and during
2: the, uh, when that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something that just kind of like I think the one of the foundational elements that pop out to me immediately is that for some people out there. They might not even be aware that there were phases. It might literally mm-hmm. be just way that, that you described is that things happen and that's it. They don't parse out the fact that things happen. I have a thought. There is a consequence, you know? So for and, – and I think this uh, – Corby, you had it kind of highlighted later. I hope I don't steal your thunder. But this umbrella analogy, um, you know, trying to control your emotions is like controlling the weather, um you know if it's going to rain, you see that it's raining, you can decide what to do to prepare for the rain, and then you can see how that happens. Um, I think I live most of my life uh, trying to develop methods of drying off quicker instead of, <laughs> should I use a raincoat? Should I use an umbrella? Should I take a, a car ride instead of just walking out? So I think or the worrying
1: whole- about the fact that it's raining in the first right, place, right? Totally, or, right? Or wishing that you could do something about it.
2: Right. Yeah. Wishing, yeah. Wishing that you could just shut off the tap. Um, but yeah, no, I think, uh, I think that's kind of an interesting thing, you know, my, my choice, and I think you'll, you'll probably get into this, but my, my strategy here has always been trying to create more space between the event and the thought mm. so that, uh, so that I can pick the right thought that, that kind of begets the right emotion. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I just wanted to, before I forgot that, that umbrella thing. <laughs>
0: now, Aiden, <laughs> yeah. I'm curious about this in your experience, because to me, I love, Joe, I, I just love this ABC. It's just like so, so just so easy, you know, and it's so, it just feels so real. It's like, yeah, there's something mm. that happens. It is in and of itself is neutral. If you can get to that point of view where it's just like, oh my gosh, you're you're like, yeah, someone died and someone's born. It's like, look at the look at the way that this all works. It's like Ramdas is always Ramdas always talked about that. I listened to a lot of Ramdas back in the day and I really <laughs> like Ramdas, you guys. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's an audible uh, there's an audible book called Experiments in Truth that are just like nine simple lectures and he's just a master, master speaker and uh at, at just controlling the room at just like keeping things interesting keeping things going um but he he would tell some stories about this kind of neutrality and that's where i learned a lot about this from him from alan watts it is a it is an idea that exists in in some eastern mysticism and western mysticism you know throughout time when you study much philosophy you get into the phenomenologists and stuff like that which the phenomenology of the event itself is that shakespeare quote about it's neither good nor bad then we can start understand then we can make up our ethics about it right mm. but if we really understand what the phenomenon was what really arises? what is, then we can can have maybe some space to look at what our belief or thought is. And I find Mm. that a lot of life, uh, for me, was I never made space for that. It was immediate, instantaneous, one was the other. The activating event was the reason for the consequence. Right, it was just it was A and C completely smushed together, and I didn't know uh, at the time that there were Mm -hmm. there were tools you could use. There were there were you know there's things there's ways you can pull it apart. You can literally pull it apart, see where where the where the ingredients are, the other ingredients in there. Right, it's like you have the event, and then you have your consequences, and you're like, oh man, anytime this thing happens, I this I, I always start to get into this rut or into this sort of consequence of some kind. Right, but. If you can pull that apart and get down into it really and make some space for it, then you realize, oh, wow, this happens to me. And you mentioned this just briefly, Joe, but like oftentimes the B, the belief or the thought, the, the B between the A and the C, it's, an, it's almost like an automatic response provided for us by what? By our history, or what mm-hmm. we perceive as our history, in some ways, mm-hmm. right? There's this almost like um, I, if you walk a path again and again and again and again and again and again and again, and <sighs> and dur- uh, like it just ends up being a, a, rut, a like a well worn path, like a well worn. Mm-hmm. You almost can get like a rut. It can be hard to get off that path and go through the trees this other way, right? And that's kind of what I think of as the metaphor for yeah. Of course, A and C collapse together because you're you are walking in a rut that you have been designing. You've been creating since like you were conscious in some ways. Before, right. And, yeah. And it was shaped by mom and dad and, and the consequences that were experienced when you, you know, touched yourself in public and you really should. And it's like, now all of us, now that's in there <laughs> or like you, you, you know what I mean? Like these are the things that really like, because you're a kid, you're a sponge. You're soaking up everything around the world, around you. And you, you didn't like necessarily, I mean, maybe, you know, in a spiritual way, you chose coming into this situation, but really you just got what you got. Right, and so the work of pulling this apart and noticing, uh, coming to turn like accepting, being curious about what the belief or thought is between the activating event and the consequence A, B, C. Activating mm. events, belief, and then the consequence. This is just such a simple framework for pulling apart uh uh those moments when you're about to make an autonomic nervous system automatic sort of decision about that's a bad thing, right, and then you you yeah. know i mean the only place i've really experienced like training in this, i have to be frank, is just in mindfulness meditation it's like yep. it's just the trick for this it's just that's it's, how I
2: create the gap yeah it just exactly. seems to be
0: all about the gap
1: yeah, yeah. and I, maybe ahead. you'll um get into this, Joe, but I think sometimes the thought or the belief doesn't even have to come from your own mind you can be susceptible to yeah. believing what other people tell you should be the reaction or the emotion or the consequence of an event yeah you you had a little note in here um about events being inherently neutral and and the proof of that can be that the same event can lead to two different reactions two totally different reactions and mm-hmm. for me that um brought up politics right hmm. an event can happen yeah and two groups of people can react completely differently based on maybe partly their own belief system, but mm. also just based on their inputs. Who are they listening to? Yeah, Who's totally. telling them how to react in what way? And in the entrepreneurial world, we get this a lot from just the people around us. You know, right. being an entrepreneur takes departing from the norm quite a bit. And we have our friends and our family, our colleagues, everybody in our normal life, our non-entrepreneurial life, who are telling us that 9 out of 10 businesses fail, or who are you for trying to do this, or you know, telling you how terrible something is, like uh, quitting your job and mm-hmm. going without a salary for a while. And so you can start to be afraid of those things. Not necessarily because inherently you believe that, but because everyone around you, the social norms are telling you that this mm. is how you should feel.
2: Mm. Right. Yeah. That's the one good. thing that I wanted to add to is that like I think what's so beautiful, if you can get to the place where your default is just like what we've described, where neutral is the default, then it's not about and, and Joe, I'm totally gonna steal your thunder here, man. It's more it. it's not about it's not about literally stripping all emotion out of everything and being a robot and everything continuing to always be neutral. It's about default neutral so that you can mix the hue into the cement yourself. You can color the events very, very consciously, very strategically because every, emotions are definitely necessary. They can be absolutely worthy yeah, weapons th- in the battle that you're fighting. <clears throat> you, know, you need to care about your thing. If, if it's going to get off the ground. Now, there's a good way to care about it and a bad way to care about it. And I guarantee you, it's going to be subjective based on whatever action is, is befalling you. Mm. So the ability to, to default neutral in the B, or I'm sorry, default neutral in the A so that your belief is neutral about it, then you can have that space to say, okay, it's going from neutral. Let me examine this. What do I really think about it? What would serve me best? What's not going to cut me down, but what's going to build me up? What's going to help me move forward? What's going to help me get closer to my goal? I can actually choose that now. So that's, I think, the really, really cool thing about this process for me is that space gives me sovereignty again to decide what do I want to do instead of being uh, a slave to the emotions. Mm. Yeah, I mean, man, you guys just tickled like every
3: psychological interest that I have. That, I like, know, I'm having the same experience like, over so here. I'm like, oh my God, this talk
2: is everything. Right <laughs> this
0: is like all the things I'm excited about. The only thing we haven't mentioned are psychedelics. That's it. <laughs> everything, and, I, and the psychedelics oh. just serve a purpose for this. This is Those philosophy. The 10
3: minutes
2: before the call. I,
3: I, <laughs> I can weave in the psychedelics kind of perfectly into this without going on a tangent, but just, just to play into your interest here, Chase, because you, you actually like <laughs> you tapped into uh, the exact metaphor that I wanted. to talk about about kind of like a well-worn path, you know, walking mm. uh walking the same path you wear the grass down. Well, there's another way to look at that and that's imagine uh when fresh snow falls on a mountain and there's there's no path down the mountain yet. There's no tracks, there's no ruts down it, right? When you have that, you can kind of like choose where you go. But after, you know, after you've gone down it 10 times, you start to get that uh that well-worn path in the snow and it's going to be really hard to to make a new path after that if you're like sledding down the hill over and over again. Yeah. And so with our with our emotional patterns and trains of thought, I mean, we've got a lifetime of those ruts, of going down the mountain every single day. Um, now, to retrain yourself, is it, it takes a ton of effort. It takes a ton of effort to redirect outside of that rut and get out of it. Now, to tie that back to psychedelics just, <laughs> just for you, uh, <laughs> one of the metaphors and one of the ways I've heard that described is, when you take a dose of psychedelics, which we're not endorsing here, obviously, that's just one method. You might not uh, it's be. It's almost like... A- <laughs> Go ahead, Jason. <laughs> okay, keep going. It's almost like what? Uh, psychedelics is almost like a fresh snowfall and that kind of fills in the ruts and allows you to kind of look again at the mountain from the top and decide which way do i want to go down they can be right
0: yeah they really can be like that fresh snowfall they can also they can be a lot of things you know you gotta you gotta do your research and i've had a lot of different kinds of trips i haven't i haven't haven't done very very much i don't feel like you need to do very much to get the message sort of alan watts has this thing of like nsd yes I've, i've tried it what do you think about it alan well, once you've once you've kind of got the message it's important to hang up the phone, isn't it? <laughs> like it is. Just, <laughs> it's, it's so good. Um but you're right that it's like it can it can um it can level the ground. It can put a fresh coat of snow on everything. So it's just powder and you re- you can't find your rut in that space sometimes. Then there's the process afterwards, the integration which can take several months of just like journaling and thinking about it cuz it comes up. And and it's kind of like your negotiation with yourself about, "Oh my God, was I just in a rut for the past 15 years? Like I can't even, I, you normally can remember like the moment that rut even got sometimes. You're lucky. I mean, the same thing happens in psychotherapy though. When people can show you what you're not willing to change in your beliefs or the assumptions that you're making or the better best, best term for this I've heard is just blind spots right Mm -hmm. so my buddy who's a master coach this older guy he was talking to this guy who's who's a doctor extremely successful extremely famous he was in his room for this like one of these like three-day you know intense sort of mental toughness type things and this guy was having a like a hard time getting he's like oh i just want to understand so i can take my notes so i can learn i I, want to learn something new, i gotta learn something new you know i have this process for learning He's like cool no bad no bad like let's that that's great i want to help you you understand it but one of the big things that came up for him was so what do you do about your The question the coach asked is like so so what do you do about your blind spots and he was like what do you what do you mean (laughs) right what do you mean and Mm -hmm. and this like one line of inquiry took him into like he literally like popped wailed and was like oh my god i'm doing this with my wife and my kids and like all this he just (laughs) had the moment what's that moment to me that's a holy sacred moment that is the temple. Mm-hmm. Anywhere that happens, that's the temple. That's where we worship. Why? Because this person is experiencing what? Themselves. And the way that they've concocted, constructed, and put together an identity that isn't even really them. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, they're actually making their ruts who they are. Mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. it's this is the way that it seems to be like identity and psychology like our our, our personality works right our personality and then just i'm just reasoning that from my own experience like i i have the, the anyways i, I want to go deeper but like let's let's come back to the thing the last thing i'll say here is just this we are the smartest monkey on the planet which isn't to say that other monkeys are dumb but it is to say that we have a part of our brain called the neo uh the the neocortex which is like the thickness of a cocktail napkin, apparently, on the outside of our brain, which basically, one of the things this enables us to do, and obviously it's not like we really understand the brain, that's the whole joke of civilization, it's like, we know what's going on. It's like, no, we don't, we have no fucking clue. But we've learned a lot, (laughs) and one of the things that we've learned is that the neocortex seems to give us the ability to deceive ourselves, which Mm -hmm. a lot of primates don't actually have. So studying primates helps us to understand older parts of our brain, because they're not lying to themselves the way that they might lie to each other they haven't quite learned that yet in the same yeah. way whereas we seem to be really 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 adept at it and the best book i ever read on this is a book called leadership and self-deception which is basically mm. it's like a fa- it's like a story it's written like a novel and oh my gosh just talk about it, just like oh god showing you your ruts showing you the way that ruts form and stuff like that uh, it's a very powerful book, Leadership and Self Deception. So, Joe, I'm curious where, where, like, all right, we've got the ABC, activating event, belief and thought is in between. Then the third thing, the consequence right? Mm -hmm. There's what happens, how I think or believe about it, and then the consequence of what happens, right? And a lot of us are collapsing all that together, and kind of the event is the consequence. We don't realize there's this place in between where it's our belief and thought. Got it. Conceptually, I'm an entrepreneur out there listening to this show. I've, you know, I've got 200 people on my email list, and I'm, and I I gotta, I know, like, I'm gonna need to kind of grind it out for a bit. Like, I'm gonna need to build this up slowly but surely over time on the side, Right? and i want to i want to glean as much as i can from this whole idea of 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 having this kind of mental toughness of having this ability to pull out my belief or thought why so that i can be resilient enough to actually grind out what i need to grind out so i don't get so i don't get waylaid for months not publishing something just because i'm i'm not really realizing my own fear about it i'm not really realizing realizing why i'm afraid of it like corbett when you talked about doing your ebook and you were like you mentioned some reasons that, like, I don't, you, you it's like you didn't even name the one that, like, really was the reason why. You were just like, I don't know. I was like, I was afraid they were going to laugh at me. You said that. You're like, I'm afraid it wasn't going to be important. They would say it's not important. Like, this thing isn't significant or doesn't matter, right? So, so but, it, like, we all have our versions of that that keeps us from doing things, and everybody's are, are a bit different. So, Joe... Like, what's the practicality of this? How do I apply this? And I know that sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just hearing the idea itself, but I'm going to forget it, right? I'm going to go back into whatever my regular life mode is and I'm going to be in my rut. It's a rut for a reason, (laughs) you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So what do I do
3: now? Well, just because I know how excited you're going to be about the simplicity of this metaphor or the, uh, the ABC model expanding this out you can actually extend it to the ABCDE model. Oh, no! answer that exact oh, no! <laughs> question. Can you handle it, <laughs> I
0: don't know if I'm ready. I go from three to five. I mean, that's hard. Three is like, you know, one goes to two, which is it's hard for... Anyways, I can get into the mysticism of number if you really want to get weird. I got my crystal <laughs> here. It's fine. Um, yeah. Okay, so tell me what the D and the E are.
3: Fantastic. Okay, so, so far, the ABC part is really the self-awareness aspect of it, right? And we're kind of learning... What are our patterns of thought? What are those ruts? And how do we typically respond and feel in certain situations? But it doesn't necessarily give us the direction yet to know exactly what to do with that information.
0: Okay, so say that again. The ABC is a pattern of what again? That's like, that's the self-awareness
3: piece. Okay, self-awareness. That's right. This yeah. is when this type of event happens, this is traditionally or typically the type of belief or thought that I have about it. And this is the reaction and behavior that I have to it. Which
0: to me, it's, it's like, perfect. that's where all the, that's where like so much of the juice is. like oh, just sure. to watch. If you just watch, mm-hmm. if you learn to watch and you watch over time, that's like, you will not miss anything. It'll eventually all come through the wash. Like in you know, the knots yeah. come through the comb
2: as my friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Joe, can you do you want to you want to uh, run this through with Corbett's ebook example just so we can see it in in real time? Oh, for sure,
3: for sure. First, I'll just do. Uh, me to just give what those uh, those two examples are so we can see oh, it yeah. in real time here. Okay, so uh, after the activating event, believe in consequence. If we want to do something about it, we would dispute it. And so the the dispute comes when there's a disconnect between the response we Mm. want to have to a situation and the response we did have, Mm. because typically that's going to come from a, it could be an irrational belief. It could be a, uh, an extreme viewpoint an exaggeration. So if we know we want to behave differently, then we have to do something about it. So that's where the dispute part comes in. And then the last part is the E and that's the effect or the new effect. So what do we want to feel how do we want to think? How do we want to behave? And you kind of choose in that moment. So as you go through this cycle, that the first three, the ABC, can kind of be a—that's uh, uh, the part where we have responsibility to develop self-awareness to see what are we doing and how are we behaving. Then we can decide, okay, what do we want to replace that with? What would be more productive? What's more aligned with how I want to feel? How I want to behave? Uh, so that—that's where really our autonomy comes back into it. So we can dive into to Corbett's example and break this apart. So Corbett, let's just kind of go through uh, one by one here. So remember, the activating event, this is just the thing that happens. Again, there's there's no emotionality into this. This is just if if there's a camera on you, this is what we would see. So with your example of of the launch, if we look at that as an event, what would that be just purely by the facts?
1: Well... In thinking through like the the delay that happened over and over again, I would set aside time to work on this ebook or to plan out the launch uh, sit down and start doing that, and then uh, I guess the event would be just the act of working on it at some point though I would start second guessing myself and start wondering about the value of this thing that I was working on, and that's what would lead to the the mm. feelings of yeah. You know inadequacy or there must be something more important for me to work on mm.
3: yeah cool so th- this actually brings up a great part about how you have to apply this model is it's always best to pick one specific instance and then really just dive deep on that one time uh, a great way to decide like what's a what's a productive one to uh, to reflect on is a time that maybe you had either a very like a really strong emotional reaction or you had uh maybe an extreme behavioral reaction or something like that, because mm. that's typically going to give us like some good juice to kind of dig into. So maybe just pick like one of those times or one specific time where you felt like especially stuck.
1: We're talking about nine years ago now. Mm-hmm. and, and then have uh, a More recent
3: example then if we want.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I can't recall a specific instance other than uh, this thing that, in my mind, was going to take 30 days, ended up taking a full year.
0: Oh, I'll do, do one. I'll do one live right now, dude. Yeah, I've You're been right. I've been meaning to do a podcast for over a year. There, like, you go. I, I've been thinking about doing a podcast for a really long time, and I I just haven't really gotten off the horse. I, I Corbett, when you talk about. Uh, that, that when you start working on it and then you start to kind of question yourself and you're just like, what's the value of this really? You're second guessing yourself. Like, what's the, like, I think that's where I'm sort of stuck in right now. Now, behaviorally, that might not look like a massive thing, but when you tag that on to, when you put that on the calendar, and I just put an X on the calendar for every day that I didn't do that podcast since the time I've like wanted to do it, right <laughs> yeah like you'd see a lot of x's on a lot of months, right? <laughs> so over time, it's this really big but quiet behavioral uh way of acting out in some ways, right and it's and its protection and all this stuff. I don't know if it's a good one, but uh b- because to me, this is like that that co- classic conundrum of there's something I want to do and I'm not doing it. Uh, and honestly, I'm not even sure if I really want to do it. Right, that's what I'm noticing is that a lot of the times I just do I just do what my wife tells me. Now she said you should do a bag giveaway. I did that; it was really successful. And then she's like, "You should do a video on this." I'm like, "Okay, you should send an email like this." So I'm I'm learning to outsource this. So maybe it's not a great example right now <laughs> um, because I'm like I'm a lot like like listen I'm busy like we'll we'll deal with putting on a podcast like like the world needs another podcast right now. Oh, good. What we're really waiting for is to get Chases. Idea idea on some bullshit that he's thinking about right so maybe it's not a great example but i I want to go literally
3: you literally just narrated the most important part of that example out loud what is it what did i do you just gave the exact thought process of probably explaining why you're not taking action on it yeah what did did you hear the whole world because you're like why in the hell does the whole world need to hear my perspective do they really need to hear another guy talking about this it sounds a lot
0: like the second guessing that corbett mentioned in
3: making his ebook right yeah. Well that's that's the belief. Yeah. Right. So the yeah. the activating event is you sit down and oh, totally the the you like look right at your there. calendar and you see. Th- Th- that,
0: that's no, it. That's <laughs> like that's the that's the thought. That's the belief. That's right there. And yeah. and when you said, okay, so like like pulling this apart a little bit more. So A, activating event. B belief or thought. C consequence. Right. And then we get into the D and E. Now D,
3: dispute. I love this. The word the I use for person. it is Wait, say that again. I, I just, sorry. I just I think you're you're uh, you're going to move right past the the meat and potatoes. This most important part right here. Okay. What? So I, I just want to. I don't want to lose it yet. So say again. Yeah. So the activating event right now, because you kind of just like you ran through it in t- like in two seconds without realizing how much was embedded within that. So let's mm. let's parse that out a little bit better. So the activating event, right? That's why. You say you keep putting it on the calendar. So you'll you'll put this on the calendar. I'm going to report record the podcast. So the beginning of this activating event might be you sit down, you look at the calendar, and you realize, oh, today I'm supposed to record the podcast. Agree? Mm-hmm. Like that, that can be the, the, the thing that activates this entire sequence of events. Then right afterwards, it sounds like the immediate belief you have is, why does anybody need to hear me ramble about this? Am I really the guy to talk? And what was the topic again? Was it? Uh, the topic of the podcast? yeah i don't
0: know <laughs> <laughs> like i would show up and just go like Bleh. like so that's, that's what Ross i want Chase, my podcast right? to be about
3: <laughs> so well, you sit down and you think like okay why why am i even going to bother doing this nobody's going to want to listen to me this isn't going to be of any value i'm just going to be another guy speaking out into the ether with no one listening right like something mm-hmm. like that is kind of the immediate thought so if that's your thought is that like this has no value? Why am I gonna be the guy to put this out there? And nobody's gonna listen. What do you think the emotional and behavioral reaction to that is gonna be? It's not that you're gonna feel inspired and jump on the mic and turn <laughs> on, you know, crazy chase mode and start spouting wisdom. You're probably gonna think like or you're gonna feel completely deflated, you're not gonna feel inspired or motivated, and then the behavioral consequence is you just avoid it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's totally normal, right? The thing to look at is that. In that series of events, that's actually a pretty rational process to follow. If you sit down and record a podcast, your thought is this is a total waste of time. Nobody's going to listen. Then the right thing to do would be basically avoid wasting your time and doing it. So Mm. the one area that you have, you can actually change that is, well, is that thought accurate? If we're going to dispute it, we'll say, is that the truth with evidence you need Mm. to dispute it? Is it true that people don't want to listen to you? Well, no, clearly not. That's that's obviously. <laughs> well, I
0: need I need some uh, I need to get some te- some texts from those people more often. Actually, it's, it's exactly it, Corbett. You did the same thing with your ebook. You literally had a mastermind group. You you called that out, right? Our language is like what Joe's doing right now is so great. It's what all these master coaches I've worked with do. They're just like, here are the exact words you said, and if we just pulled each one of those apart and just believe for a second that the language doesn't lie. Right, that the world. It, there's this great book called The Three Laws of Performance. Where, it, 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 see if I can remember the three laws. Uh, the language occur, The world occurs. Everybody acts in accordance with the way the world occurs to them. Okay. Mm. So first of all, yeah. everybody's acting in the in the way that the world occurs for them. Right. Second of all, the world occurs in language. Okay. This is the, This is your whole thing, Joe, about about belief and thought. That's the actual thing that's that the the emotions are coming from, right? We, we it's and it's in language and like thought is actually encased in language. Then the third rule is future language, future-oriented language disrupts current state. If I'm remembering that correctly, so meaning the way that you literally program your language about the future can, has a has a create uh, what what like a generative effect on the way the world occurs for you right mm-hmm. this is that like that e the the what's the new effect how do we how do we what do we want to re- replace this with right how exactly. do we and this is back to you A- uh, aiden talking about the if you can get neutral with the actual activating event then you can actually color it intentionally the way you you are designing how it how you want to interpret this event, how you want the the emotion, how you want this event to to go this way for you instead of that way or some something like that. Um, but I, I'm just calling out. I just think it's really important. This is something that's blown my mind over the last six months. Is just it's in your language. It's in mm-hmm. your language. If you could sit down and record like something record like a voice note of you just going like i want to do this podcast but i'm afraid to do it because like like, like the world needs another one of these like like you know it's just going to take more time it's going to take me away from stuff that matters to me it's like what it's like another project i have to run like you just go you just go then play it back in like half speed if you play it back in like three-quarter speed or half speed you will focus on every word because every word's a little bit longer and you'll realize that there's words you're saying that paint a very clear picture on what your beliefs are. And when you can look at your beliefs like then then you then you you know maybe you have maybe you have a way out of here. like or like you know you 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 can, can you can have a that that back to the beginning of the conversation you can kind of control your emotions then.
3: Yeah. Right? Yeah. So th- this is a great entry point actually because th- where a lot of people get stuck is because your thought or your belief happens so fast I mean, it's gone in a millisecond, and it's to to be able to create that space through meditation or whatever it is can take time. That can be really difficult. So here's kind of like a little a little hack that rich tips can work. Rich tips. Uh, <laughs> this is what can help quite a lot to be able to kind of backpedal and find the thought or the belief that happened. So because we know that an emotion stems from a thought, that's basically the output, right? Like that. That is the clue. That's the canary in the coal mine. So if you look at what the emotional or behavioral consequence was think about what is a thought that would cause me to feel or act in that way right. because it's it's going to come from that so if you're feeling sad and mm-hmm. if you if you like remove yourself from a situation kind of you know like went and uh uh, tried to essentially you know uh, the, the classic like depressive symptoms you, you pull yourself away and you hide under the covers and you're not talking to anybody and you know you're feeling completely overwhelmed and and depressed about it well you probably didn't have a thought that was I'm so excited to get up today and go take on the world <laughs> like that wasn't the thought that caused that nope. so you can probably start to deconstruct pull it apart and think okay well what might have caused that then it was obviously a thought that made me feel like there was a sense of loss what kind of thoughts do I typically have that uh, fit into that category? And you, you can kind of start breaking it down until eventually each, each thought that you'll have, we've these patterns with, right? And you might find that like, wow, my, my pattern of thought always skews towards uh, aggression or anger or towards fear and anxiety. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're going to have that place that we go naturally kind of like an emotional home that we typically yeah, that go rut. to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's the rut. And, <clears throat> if you use these tools for being able to deconstruct that, you're going to find you terrifyingly go to the same place all the time. Mm. Anytime there's uncertainty, you're going to go back to the same place. You know, we're not as diverse as we like to think we're emotional creatures. And back to your point, chase about, you know, that, that thin layer of neocortex. I mean, it is the truth. We, we are first and foremost emotional. And then we rationalize our emotional experiences through that, you know, that logical language. But, um, th- there's another interesting element about how hard it is to break that down that you brought up earlier about blind spots. Mm. And I think in this part right here, uh, that's where that becomes the most important. Right. To be able to, to uh, really dive in and see what those blind spots are. And there's something that we referred to um, when I used to, to teach this was it's the taillight effect. So when, when you have a taillight out in your car, how do you find out about it? Mm.
2: You somebody a, behind you. you get a ticket.
3: Somebody outside. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> somebody has to tell you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because you can't see it. You can't see it. You never know when there's a tail light out. And that's the way that a lot of these really unproductive or maladaptive beliefs will come into our awareness is somebody kind of has to tell us about it. A lot of times it's really hard because it's so ingrained that we don't even see that's what we're doing. And this is where Some of us your- get
1: really pissed off when somebody tells us our taillights out. <laughs> <laughs> Wait,
3: what <laughs> yeah, do you mean, Carmen? Like,
1: like what do you mean? What say say more about that? <laughs> no, I think that's important. I, no, I, I mean when somebody tells us about a pattern, uh, yeah. you know, or something that we're doing. Yeah. Like, well screw you for telling, you know, you're not perfect. Yeah. Right. right.
0: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> What's that, Joe? What's the defensiveness there?
3: so that's first off that comes in with the confirmation bias and that's another psychological construct mm. so the th- the confirmation bias is that like we're all conditioned as humans to want to be as efficient as possible and stay with our beliefs it's not comfortable to change your beliefs right i mean there's a reason that you have that pattern because you either grew up that way maybe it's part of your value system whatever it is like that is our habit and so to go outside of that by definition requires you to go way outside your comfort zone. And none of us really like stepping outside of your comfort zone. So we all know, like I mean, back to your point, Chase, about, um, you know, how how loaded news cycles have become now skewing towards a certain opinion. We love to just get in that echo chamber and just hear the stuff we already mm. agree with because yeah. it's really uncomfortable to step out and hear a contrasting opinion. So with confirmation bias, how that ties into all this is anytime that we're presented with evidence or even ambiguous information, we're always going to pull the pieces out of that that fit with our current paradigm and what we already believe. And then we're just going to discount the things that don't line up with it. Mm-hmm. So you could be presented with with four pieces of inf- information, two of which agree with your current uh, paradigm and two that disagree. Well, you're just going to let the two that disagree slide right off. You're not even going to notice that that information came up, but you're only going to cling on to the two that say, see, see, this, this is exactly what I said. And so, when it comes to your beliefs, you have to learn to look for the truth. Like what is the evidence out there for both sides? Mm. That what confirms and contrasts? Because that's the only time, like, that, that gets back into Stoicism, right? Stoicism is just seeing things the way they are. Yeah. That you kind of really have to be able to look at it through that neutral lens. Mm. And I mean, you do still have to make a decision, obviously. It's not that, uh, that there is a right or a wrong. But until you can actually see all of the evidence that's on the table and accept that, you don't really honestly have a choice because you're kind of discounting the reality of it. Yeah. The other kind of underlying piece of that, which we can go into maybe another time, is uh, humans also have the negativity bias. So we're wired to look for things that are wrong. You know, from a survival perspective, that yeah. used to be very productive. And that's the way all of us are ingrained. So not only are we going to look for evidence on things that we already believe, but we're also going to look for evidence of all of the bad things that could happen. So humans lean more towards the negative and towards anxiety, which I think we see that all the time. Uh, That's kind of a rut that we all have. And that's why it's even more important to say, like, if that's something you want to change, it's going to take a lot of consistent and dedicated effort. But this process works exactly the same, this ABCDE model. Uh, can work for that because, again, it's still evidence-based. It's still making the choice.
0: Mm, I love this. Okay, so we're at the end of our time here. What I want to do is I want to – last words. Okay, last words from everybody. We'll end with Joe. Let's go Aiden, Corbett, then Joe. Mention any last words that you have here if you have them uh, to, to, you know – And, and even any resources that might be helpful for people on this. Aiden, like after all this conversation, after all this thought, if there's one thing you could, you could kind of like, I don't know, that, that, that you think the fizzler out there who's, who's, like I said, you know, 200 people on the email list realize we're going to be grinding away. Kind of excited, kind of nervous, kind of scared. Like wants to get in the game. Re- like, like, let's do it. Like, you know, this is my life. Like, maybe I won't be, you know, some famous entrepreneur, but I can have a life that I'm excited about, that I feel proud of. I can contribute to problems that I think are meaningful. Right. This is the spirit of what of of the fizzlers that we encounter all the time. So, given that sort of spirit and ethos, uh, and, and then this conversation and the desire to really be able to have that resilience and to have that sort of, uh, you know, air quotes control around your emotional process so that you can push through things that are difficult and challenging. Uh, Given this whole rangy conversation which I have seriously loved what any last words Aiden?
2: Pain is your friend. And I think Joe nailed it where he said, and it was really interesting to observe you two, Corbett and Chase, flounder for the activating event because the emotion is the obvious thing. The emotion, especially when it's negative is easy to see, even nine years later. So, but it's not the most important thing. So, you know, me and my postmortem stuff, um, enter the pain. You can, you can look at that easy. It's the clearest. So start your practice by, by observing the painful emotions and trying to change that because underneath there, you're going to discover the good tools and then you can repeat and rinse. And and repeat and repeat this practice of being very, very aware, not only when the bad stuff happens so you can get rid of it, but when you do have a good reaction. Mm. So you can duplicate that. Because I, I I'll, you'll hear me say this over and over and over again. Failure will teach you, but success is what gives you the progress. Failure can only tell you what not to do. But if you can figure out how to reverse engineer that success, that right reaction, the way you do want to behave, and you can duplicate that. That's where I want to do my work. Mm, mm,
0: I love it Corbett uh, what, what, what do you uh what do you have to say to that to that fizzler out there, given all of this all of this enormous conversation?
1: There's this thing that you do as a software developer sometimes where you notice that you've been doing something over and over again and just kind of dealing with it. You know, mm-hmm. it's it, it, like you're, you're going to write a function and you have to import the same piece of code every time you do that. And so you're typing the same thing over and over again. And some people just kind of live with that. Others will then say, I'm going to spend this whole afternoon working on this special process so that I don't have to ever do that again, right? Mm-hmm. Some way to automate that thing. As an entrepreneur, the same thing happens with our reaction, our emotions. A lot of us just kind of deal with them over and over again. And we don't necessarily realize just how much those emotions are dictating whether or not we succeed. So, by doing some of the things Joe said, by committing to a practice of getting better at understanding your emotions and how they impact your work and what you can do to influence the thoughts that you have that cause the emotions, you can then reduce the amount of time every day that you're spending on dealing with the consequences of those emotions Mm. all that to say it's worth for every entrepreneur to look at this even though it might just seem like extra work or maybe it's a luxury to spend time thinking about how you react to things it's actually one of the most important things you can do because it's going to free up all of this other time for you to work on what really matters Mm, i
0: love it Mm. i love it okay joe what's your final words here bro
3: uh, I mean, I, I love what Aiden and Corbett both just said. So for sure, I will I will echo that point. Um, but I would just say, <laughs> leverage the fact that this is where you have the most influence over almost everything in your life. And it's going to take practice. It's going to be uncomfortable. But you didn't sign up for entrepreneurship because it was comfortable and easy. You signed up because it allows you an opportunity to create a new life for yourself. And this is just part and parcel. It's just part of it. And, um, if you, if you give yourself the opportunity to practice it on a small scale, you don't need to dive in and think like, I'm going to fix all my childhood trauma and I'm going to, you know, uh, completely overhaul every single aspect of my life. Just try it on the little things. And I think you'll be amazed at how much you're able to learn from this. If you just truly commit to it for any period of time, just pick one example. You know, I mean, my, my real honest, uh, suggestion would be, pick one time where maybe you experience a, an extreme emotional or behavioral response that you want to change and mm. just dive deep on that one. Yeah. Because that's going to be one of the easiest ones to figure out. You're, you're going to be able to find what that thought is, what that strong emotional or behavioral response is and give yourself at least the opportunity to dive in and try it once. Mm. Um, when, I've, when I've watched people go through that process, I've never found anyone who truly committed to that process one time who didn't then realize the power of it and Mm. find ways to leverage that over and over again. I love it. And, oh, speaking of which, we will actually have a worksheet that will allow you to kind of go through that step by step. So I think in the show notes, we'll be able to link that out. Whoa, uh, we're going to have a worksheet for this
0: one. You hear that, folks? You hear that? Yes.
3: Whoa. Gorman.
0: Amber is the cover of your energy. The reason why I'm singing that song is because this is episode 311. And if you ever smoked weed in high school, you know that band. Have you ever made out in a dark hallway? If you were a rollerblader like me, there was 311 songs all over the rollerblading videos. And whoa. Amber is the color of your energy is one of the lines. So, uh, that, that persists. And so you can go to fizzleshow.co slash 311, 311, fizzleshow.co slash 311. And there is going to be a worksheet that's going to help you apply this, uh, to your business right now. You'll be able to download it. It'll be free. Uh, so look forward to that. And you guys, thank you so much for this great conversation. I loved it. This was very uh this is very uh uh I don't know, just very timely for me. I loved the level of this dialogue. I loved that it was it was we got to mix it up with some very interesting topics without, you know, fully having to like change our wardrobe and grow our beards long and like start standing <laughs> on our head for 3 hours a day or commit ourselves to some crazy you know, devotional practices of some kind. But as Joe's just going to keep our beard short and uh, (laughs) and stand on our heads for three hours a day, (laughs) as he pulls a crystal from his pocket. But the 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 like the uh, the thing that Joe said here at the end is just where I want to go out on. It's just like uh, this 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 might teach you an, an enormous amount this might just be something you look back on and go holy crap this has been the project of my life figuring out who I am and who I am uh, are, are, are like you know one of the things that I've heard Ram Dass make a distinction between is reacting to something versus responding to something right and he, he would mm-hmm. sometimes be like in conversations with people who are in the cabinet or the president or something like that and he was just like are there any people here who respond to the crises or is it always reaction again and again and again And I I think that that might be a helpful distinction to go out on. Just more response and a little less reaction can get you, as Corbett said, uh, maybe a surprising amount more done in a day, (laughs) a surprising amount more uh, progress towards your goals. I love you guys for listening to the show. Uh, I, I, I hope that you're having a great, a great adventure in your life because the chances are it might not necessarily get, uh, I don't know, easier or, or be finished really ever until it's like, you know, really finished. Uh, and so if you can learn a way to enjoy it as it's happening, to learn and discover while you're breathing, that, uh, that might bring a, a sense of, I don't know, play to the work that you do, which back to that, back to that Bill Murray quote. Uh, The patron saint of basically the the entire Western world at this point. I mean, have you noticed that Bill Murray is like pretty much everybody's like favorite in in a lot of ways? Like, like it's hard to find someone who's like I hate that guy. I've never found one. I've never found a person who's like you know who I can't stand is Bill Murray. Well. there was a time like after stripes i think
1: yeah yeah where no, you might I mean, have found some people who said that
0: that's right actually because he kind of played like a like, an, a like an a-hole character for a bit there exactly you know? yeah it was it's true that's who i see a lot in my head when i think of it was young bill murray all right but that's it for the show Fizzleshow.co slash 311 amber is the color of your energy get into the download get on the email list if you're not we can't help you we just give stuff away for free we can't get we can't help you if you're not on the email list and uh we'll talk to you next week Fine care Take care, serve hard, and dig in. Thanks, y'all. Talk to you
2: next week on The Fizzle Show.